word. Thank you for how your word is tried and true, Lord. It is you speaking, and I pray that you speak to us this morning, that your Holy Spirit would minister, that your Holy Spirit would help us even in this time of crisis in our world. But God, we know that you are sovereign, you are in control, that you know all things and you are eternal and you have you know what's going to happen, Lord. And so we find comfort in that. And may we find comfort in your word this morning. And so I ask you, blessed, anoint it with your spirit in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Someone put out these definitions for political systems. For example, communism, they defined it this way. You have two cows. The government takes both of them and gives you part of the milk. Socialism, you have two cows, the government takes one and gives it to your neighbor. Fascism, like dictatorship, you have two cows, the government takes both cows and sells you the milk. Nazism, you have two cows, the government takes both cows and then shoots you. Capitalism, you have two cows, you sell one of them and buy a bull. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Good way, yeah? And then they threw in this. Bureaucracy. You have two cows. The government takes both of them, shoots one, milks the other, and then pours the milk down the drain. Bureaucracy, right? Well, I'll tell you what. I look forward to when the government will change to a theocracy. What's that? Well, theo uh, in the Greek, is, it's Greek for God, and krasi is rule or government. So theocracy means ruled by God. And that's what I look forward to because there's coming a day when the earthly governments will end and the theocracy begins. I look forward to when Jesus Christ will be literally ruling and reigning on this planet, don't you? Well, as we return to our verse-by-verse study through the book of Daniel, we focus in on the prophecy of the last world government of man we focus in on its leader the antichrist and how it ends with the kingdom of jesus coming in and taking over so i titled our message the final world government the final world government we're going to be studying daniel chapter 7 from verse 15 through 28 we're going to finish the chapter today we did half of it last time and this morning we're going to finish it off Now, our outline is this. We're going to find three things. Number one, the exit of the last empire, the evil of the Antichrist, and the end of the earthly king. So mostly we're we're focusing in on this final world government, this last world government of man. So let's begin here. The final world government, number one in our outline, the exit of the last empire. The exit of the last empire. Take a look with me here. Now we're going to be covering Daniel 7 through 15, uh, verses 15 through 22 in our first section. But we're going to take a look at the first four verses uh, in the beginning here. Verse 15. As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious and the visions of my head alarmed me. I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this so he told me and made made known to me the interpretation of the things these four great beasts are four kings who shall rise out of the earth but verse 18 the saints of the most high shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever forever and ever and we'll stop right there 
So we begin here in verse 15 with Daniel sharing how he was anxious. He's writing here. He puts it in first person that he's anxious and he's alarmed by the vision that God had given him in, this, in what we saw in the first half of the chapter. Being troubled by what he saw, he reached out to this one who stood by him while he saw this vision. Now, it could be, remember, his, his, the last thing we saw, he was in court, the court of heaven. Maybe he was next to uh, this individual here. Or it could be while seeing this vision that this person who stood there was most likely was the angel Gabriel who will also appear to Daniel in, in later on in chapter 8 and 9. So I'm guessing it's probably him again. This is probably God's go-to guy, messenger guy to, to, give, um, to talk with Daniel here. So as the messenger of God, this angel is there to give the interpretation, uh, the vision to Daniel. As he's there, uh, Daniel's right there. And so Daniel's like, hey, hey, what, 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 what's going on here? And then, as I mentioned last week, right, in verse 17, it's explained that in this vision, that this dream that he saw of the four beasts, he says that the four great beasts in verse 17 represents basically four kings, or, as I mentioned to you, four world empires that will rise up in history. And we went over that last time, didn't we? But when the last world empire ends... This is what he tells them. It will be the beginning of the new kingdom that will go on forever, forever, and ever. I like that. I bring that out because when I read that, I go, oh, I like that, Lord. Forever, forever, and ever. That means eternally, on and on and on. And so it says here also, the angel says that the saints of the Most High God will be given basically a place to live there. They'll be dwelling there, and it will be the kingdom of God. It will be the kingdom where the Lord rules and reigns. So that's basically what the, the angel is talking about here in these verses. Daniel's given the interpretation about the four beasts. And remember, this was a panoramic view of the world empires in history. So the angel's like, hey, when the world history ends in this last government, then the kingdom of God is going to begin. Now, last time, as I, I'm going to be referring to that because there's a lot of repeat repetition here in the, uh, the last part of the half of this chapter. But last time, you remember in the first part of the chapter, Daniel saw in his vision four great beasts, like these huge beasts. And as I pointed to in verse 17, these represented the four world empires in history. Remember, I, I called these empires, the four empires, the kingdom of man. You remember that? That's that first set that we saw. To Daniel, remember, these are basically prophetic empires to come, you know, except Babylon he was living in. It was future for him, but for us, we can look back on history and see how it all came to pass so you remember these empires here and this is what the angels interpreting right here remember how we could put up these pictures again remember in verse 4 the first beast the lion with eagle's wings remember what what empire did that represent the babylonian empire right the first world empire and then in verse 5 the second beast was the bear he was lopsided right medo persian empire the persians are a little stronger and we went over that in verse 6 we saw the third beast the leopard with four wings and that represented what do you remember 
the Greek Empire, right? The Grecian Empire. And then lastly, in verse 7, was the fourth beast that was terrifying, dreadful beast, unlike any known animal. In the picture, there was a combination of of animals because I referenced to Revelation uh, 13, I believe. And that represented, do you remember, the Roman Empire. So these are the four great beasts which represented the four empires in history. And again, if you missed it, you can, or if you want to listen to it again, you know, go back online, listen to the podcast, and look for uh, Daniel 7 1 through 14. And I titled it God's World History 101. Remember, we went to class. Well, we're going to finish up this class really because Daniel also saw. Remember, the Messiah was crowned king. He came in. He rolled and reigned, you know, to rule and reign uh, the new kingdom, the kingdom of God that will replace the final world government of man. And so as the angel says here, those who trust and believe in God, God's people, they're going to live in this new kingdom where Jesus then reigns forever. So, so we, we covered a lot of that last time and the angels saying, well, here's this, here's that. And so I'm just kind of, giving you a little review and summing up what the angel is saying but let me let me let me throw something out to you why is daniel so troubled right in verse 15 why is he anxious and alarmed and seeing all of this i mean last week we're like yeah jesus is coming yeah the lord's going to rule and reign and it gave us a lot of hope and excitement you know of of what's to come in the future well why is daniel here so troubled why is he anxious and seeing this this vision even with the the angel explaining a little bit of it well it could be maybe he was kind of taken back i thought because these were four huge giant beasts in front of him yeah and he's like a little ant it could be you know how how the beasts also represent how man's rule is so vicious. They, you know, they're like animals tearing into people. You remember I mentioned Nebuchadnezzar's vision of the statue. That's like man's perspective. You know, a statue, the gold and silver. But this could be God's perspective of the, of the governments and the nations, the empires and world history as they're, they're vicious animals. So could be that. Maybe those things are troubling him, alarming him. Or maybe... Daniel was taken back and, and really sad on how history ends with judgment upon man. And, and, and one of the commentators mentioned that, and I stopped to think, you know, that's so true. I mean, think about some of the uh, thought that, that is out there today. In the world, people are thinking, and we see it in the movies, that, you know what, through evolution, man is just going to get better and better and better. There's a thought about that. But we see here in this vision, this dream, that man does not get better. It's actually going to get worse. As a matter of fact, remember the fifth kingdom, right? We had four kingdoms, you know, with Babylon, um, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. Remember the fifth kingdom? It's going to be the most evil one. It's, it's the kingdom of Satan. Remember, that was, that was our outline because that's the rise of the Antichrist. So it could be Daniel seeing all of this going on. This is the most evil, the most ferocious, terrible beast here. And he's understanding that Israel, his people, the Jews, they're going to be going through this. So Daniel... He's, he's, he's troubled by all this. He's troubled by what's going to happen. He sees man doesn't get better. He actually even gets more worse. And he's concerned for his own people, the Jewish people. 
And, and, and so he wants to know some more detail about this final uh, world government here before God sets up the kingdom of Jesus. So that's what he's troubled about. That's why Daniel goes on in verse 19. Take a look here. Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which is different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, and which devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. And about the ten horns that were on the head and the other horn that came up and before which three of them fell, the horn that, the eyes, uh, that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things and that seemed greater than its companions. And then look verse 21. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them. In verse 22, until the ancient of days came and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. So Daniel desired to know more about this fourth beast. And as we saw, the description we saw and we went into it last time, that's the Roman Empire, right? But here's something else that happened when we talked about this last time too. Then out of that empire rose Ten horns. Remember the horns represented power, authority. You know, like an animal has horns, are, that's their power. You know, they use that, you know, as a weapon and all. So the ten horns represent power and authority, which is ten kings or nations that rise up out of this beast. And, and then out of that, out of the ten horns, arises another horn, someone else in, with power and authority, and he takes over three of those other horns or the nations and kings. And this horn is described, remember, as having eyes and a mouth. In other words, we mentioned last time, this means this is a person. He's not just talking about a nation. He's actually literally talking about a world leader. And this leader spoke great things. And we saw again last time that was boastful and blasphemous, blasphemous things against God. And I, like, I think it's interesting here. He will become greater it says here, than any of the other leaders or countries or kings or nations. And this leader makes war, made war with the saints. He persecuted God's people during this time. But this leader and his kingdom came to an end when what? The ancient of days came, that's God, you remember, bringing judgment upon this leader and, and, and that world government for what they did and to God's people. And then God takes rule over the earth and places God's people into his kingdom. So Daniel repeats to the angel what he saw in the vision and what we studied last time. But here he's focusing in on the final world government, how it's going to end here. The, the, the holy people, God's people, his saints that are going to go through this and be under this, this government. He's really concerned of, and he knows God's going to come, but he's concerned of the exit of the last empire. All of this is going to go on. That's my heading. Understand, Daniel's interest and desire to know what is going on and what's going to happen is because, you know why? Because of his concern and his love for his own people, the Jews. I believe at this time, maybe when, when he was, he was uh, when he received this vision, we're going to see this later, that he, he might have been praying. He wasn't just sleeping, but he was probably praying. And he's been, and I believe he's been ever since he was taken captive, that he's been praying for the fulfillment of the prophecy that this, there's going to be a 70-year 70 70 year captivity for 
his, his people, for the Jews, for the nation of Israel. And we're going to see more of that later. And, and at this time, if you remember, this is the first year of Belshazzar, the king of Babylon. At this time, there's yet still like 17 years to come, right? In, in what we saw last time, we dated that. So in his prayer, in his concern, I feel like God came to him, answers his prayer by giving him a vision of what's going to happen to his fellow Jews. What's going to happen to Israel? Now, we're going to see more of that as we move into uh, the rest of this chapter. And I'm excited to, to show you about that. But, you know, Daniel doesn't know anything about the church, right? About uh, uh, the, the church coming to be. But his concern is for the, the Jews, the people of Israel. So God answers his prayer, giving him a vision, but way farther into the future, way into his future of how Israel will be saved from the persecution of another world empire. So he sees this. God's going to show him, here's an empire that is even more wicked than Babylon, one that will not last long because God's not going to have it, one that will not win but will exit out of history by the judgment of God. So Daniel's seeing this. Daniel's starting to, this, this is his perspective. This is where he's coming from when he sees this vision. So he wants to know, okay, what, wait, wait, what happens at the end? What's going on here? What, what's going to happen? So what we see is Daniel's concern is focused on God taking care of Israel in the future. Daniel's concern is focused on God taking care of Israel in the future. Now, I was thinking about this. I mean, we, 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 we think about our future many times. What's going to happen next year? What's going to happen in 10 years? And, and as a parent, I'll tell you, I'm never more worried or anxious when I worry about the future of my kids. Right, parents? You know, our, our little one, that little baby we, we raised and took, and took care of. Now, now they grow up and then they go to high school. And then I'm wondering, oh, what's going to happen in these four years? You know, I wonder, who are they going to meet? What kind of friends are they going to meet, right? What, what kind of sports are they going to play? What kind of grades are they going to have? How, how is it going to come out on the other end when they graduate? And, and I worry, I wonder about that, their future. Or when they go off to college, right? Oh, that, to me, that's even more worse because they're away from home or, you know, they're, they're pre-adults, you know, even. And I wonder, what is what their future going to be? Will they meet? The one they're going to marry, who, who's that person going to be like? You know, what, what, what are, what's their job going to be like? Um, what kind of job they're going to have, even if they get a degree? You know, where are they going to live, right? And all these thoughts, and I get worried about them, and are they going to be okay? Gonna, you know, and, and, you know, the biggest thing, I think, for us Christians is, will they still walk with the Lord? And all of this can be so overwhelming, yeah? We can, we can worry. We can be anxious. And, and, and I'll tell you, for me, it's been hard because we go, we, I went through three times, or, you know, with three kids. So, no, the, you know, depending on the number of kids you have, you're going to be going over and over and over, right? And for me, I can't learn with the first one. I keep going back to this worry and everything. But, you know, each time in my worry, in my prayers, in my God, he comes back and he says, don't worry. Their future is in my hands. Daniel is concerned for the future of his people, Israel. And, and what he's really doing is he's asking for a little more detail, a little more understanding, a little more clarity here. You know, he's wondering, how is God going to take care? How is this going to all work out for Israel in the future, in the end? 
I mean, God chose this whole panorama of history and he focuses in on this with Israel at the end of history now. And think about that. Because at the end of history, who's there? Israel. Remember his concern? His concern, seven years captivity and then God gives him this panorama and then at the very end, who's still there? God's people. These saints. Israel. It's still there. Still there. So at the end of history, Daniel sees, wow, there is a future for Israel. But there's something else I saw. Guess who else is there at the end of world history? God. (laughs) Jesus is still there. Daniel's concern is focused on God taking care of Israel in the future, and he sees God is still there too. God is still working. God is still control. So hear my words today. Your future is in God's hands. Remember, God is the God of history, right? Remember, history is His story, as someone said it, right? He is sovereign over it all. He can see it. He's eternal. He he knows everything. You are part of that history. You are part of, you and I, we're part of this history that God sees. and, and, And like our theme, right? Unwavering trust in God the God of history. So we can trust him that he's there, that he's taking care of our future. The eternal God is still there in the future. Could it be maybe that all our anxiety and worry is because we don't believe that God takes care of your future, our future? It could be, right? It could be. Let me say it this way. Anxiety comes as a result of envisioning the future without God. That's what happens. Right? I look, I look at, you know, say my son, I think, oh, how's he going to make it? Oh, what's going to happen to him? Where is he going to go? And I'm only focusing on him. But when God reminds me, hey, I have his future in my hands, I go, oh yeah, God, you're there too. You love him too. You're going to take care of him. You're going to provide. You're, the promises in your word are still going to apply to him. No matter the walk of our kids, where they are with the Lord, God loves them. God's going to be reaching out to them, right? So then think about us now. He is still there working in your life. We can look into our future and think, oh, what's going to happen here? Oh, I'm not sure, Lord. And, and you know, I, for me, I picture this i try and look into my future but it's dark because i i don't know i can't see and that darkness the unknown scares me it worries worries me it overwhelms me but i have to remember god is there too god is there too so with the exit of this last empire you're left with a future that has god's people and they're with the lord know that what better future is that as we look down into the future. All right, the final world government, the exit of the last empire. Let's go to number two, the evil of the Antichrist. The evil of the Antichrist. Daniel chapter 7. And we're going to be covering three verses, 
23 through 25. Look at verse 23 first. It says, Thus he said, As for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it to pieces. So the angel says, Okay, I'll give you some more details. And he kind of repeats what we read already. Uh, Daniel's request, you know, give me a little more insight about the fourth beast. So he begins with the Roman Empire. He begins with this fourth beast. He begins with, with, with saying, okay, let's begin with this, this, this fourth beast. I'll talk about the last empire, but let me first begin here. You remember, I, I, I was going to just show you quickly these maps I found in a commentary. Remember, this was the Babylonian Empire. Do we have that? The Babylonian Empire. And this is Nebuchadnezzar and all. Secondly, we, we have the uh, Medo-Persian Empire. This is the Medes and Persian. That's what they covered back in the ancient times. Then we have the Greek Empire. When the, the, the Greeks were in charge, They're, they were ruling it as a world power. And then lastly, the Roman Empire. And you can leave that up for a little bit. This is the Roman Empire. And the dark areas are what they what they basically were in charge of in, in the world at that time. So think about this way. So, so the angel's like, okay, it starts here. It starts with this world empire, the Romans here, all right? So then he tells this, right? And he says this again, and when we see this, or while well, we read it again, because Daniel's told us twice now, out of the Roman empire rise up ten kings, verse 24. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom, and what is that? kingdom the roman empire the the fourth beast ten kings shall rise and another shall arise after them he shall be different from the former ones and shall put down these three kings he shall speak words against the most high and shall wear out the saints of the most high and shall think to change the times and the law and they will shall be given into his hand for a time times and a half so a little more detail comes out from this angel. So basically, out of the old Roman Empire will rise up ten leaders or ten nations will rise up and make a coalition of states. This is what I call last week the revived Roman Empire. So if you look at the map, out of somewhere in this area, that's what's believed, will rise up from the old Roman Empire a ten-nation coalition that will be ruling the world. Uh, we talked about it last time, like it could be a ten-member security council of the EU, the European Union. Uh, I mean, it kind of fits that, the European Union. A lot of Europe is in there. Um, but we don't know exactly what it is, but we know there'll be a ten-nation, ten leaders coming together to make one world. Well, out of that, though, th then another horn, right? A leader will rise up and put down three of them. He'll take over like three countries or three nations, and, and he's going to rise to power in that way. We're not sure exactly who the three leaders, because we don't know exactly who the three nations, but we know the one leader, the one horn, that it is, is going to rise up is someone that we call who? The Antichrist. I mentioned to you to that. Uh, mentioned that last week, right? He will be the leader of the final world government of man. This is the last world government of man, the final world. And he will be Satan's man uh, at, as a ruler of this fifth empire, the kingdom of Satan, like I call it. Now, let me give you three things we see here. As we go ahead into the book of Daniel, we're going to see more things about the Antichrist. God's going to reveal more and more through some of these visions. But there's three things I want to show you that describe the evil 
of the Antichrist. That's our heading. First of all, the Antichrist will be a powerful leader. He'll be a powerful leader. We just uh, talked about how he took down three leaders, took over, you know, took over and became the leader of this final world government. We see how aggressiveness he is. His aim really is to be the guy on top. In Revelation 13, he's actually called the beast. So you can kind of see maybe inside him, he's going to put on a mask of being nice and being a savior. But inside, he, he, he wants it. He wants to be the power. In Daniel eleven twenty one, he's called the king who does as he wills, or people call him the willful king. He's going to do what he wants. He doesn't care about anybody else. So in, his po- in this power move of the Antichrist, it's all about him positioning himself as the ruler of the one world government. That's what this move is. That's when he takes over the three other leaders. In Revelation chapter 6, verse 2, when the, the seal was open, uh, John writes, And I looked, and behold, a white horse. Now, this isn't Jesus. That's a, a different one. But he's the Antichrist. He's a false Christ. So in Revelation 6, 2, it says, And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and its rider had a bowl, and a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer that's the antichrist he's a powerful leader he makes a power move and he's going to be the leader of a one world government that will be in this final world uh, empire or, or government of the world as we know it now let me just give you a little timeline i believe the rapture is going to happen the rapture of the church uh, it'll be right before or just at the time of Ezekiel 38, 39 prophecy, right? When Gog, Magog, when Russia and the Arab nations come to attack and invade Israel. But God's going to save Israel miraculously. So there's the rapture, the Ezekiel 38, 39 attack. And at that, I believe in the, in the vacuum of power and Russia's not going to be strong, all that. I believe that's when the Antichrist will rise up. He will take over. He will become the ruler of a one world government. He will, perhaps with this 10 nation thing beginning to rise, it's gonna, then he's going to take over and they're going to just take charge of everything there. And he's going to rise up in this revived Roman government. And with that, that marks the beginning of the seven years of tribulation, the last seven years of the world as we know it. That's that, that tribulation years we've talked about, seven years there. And the Antichrist is going to rise up as the world leader at the beginning of that. So this is what da- the angel starting to show Daniel, and we are filling it in by what we know in the New Testament and other prophecies. So what we see in the evil of the Antichrist, he's going to be this powerful leader, an evil leader, really. Secondly, the second thing I want you to see is he's going to be a blasphemous leader. Look again in verse 25. He shall speak words against the Most High. The Antichrist will go against everything that is of God and that is holy. That's what he's going to do. I mentioned that last time, right? He's, he's going to be speaking blasphemous stuff. Here's the NLT. I think I mentioned this in the ESV last week, but Revelation 13.6 says, And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his dwelling, that, that is, those who dwell in heaven. So he's going to come in and come against God, right? He's Satan's man. Yeah, and so he's not going to like anything about Jesus, God, and even Israel himself. Notice in the middle of verse 25, it says to change the times and the law. When 
uh, one translation says to change the festivals in the law. Well, the Antichrist, basically what I believe this is talking about, the Antichrist will stand up in a rebuilt Jewish temple and declare himself God. He's going to change the way of worship for the Jews. He's going to force them to worship him and not the Lord God. He, and, and this is what Jesus called the abomination of desolation in Matthew twenty four fifteen. See, in this end times timeline, when the Antichrist comes into power, we believe that at the beginning of the tribulation years, the seven years, he's going to broker a peace agreement with the Jews, with Israel and the Arab nations. And he's going to broker this peace deal where the Jews will be allowed to build a temple on top of the Temple Mount in Jerusalem alongside of the Dome of the Rock Mosque, the, the Muslim sacred temple. So both will be on, on top of that. And we believe that's what the Antichrist will will broker this peace deal. Because we see in Revelation, and, and, and we understand the abomination and desolation we'll see in Daniel, there has to be some temple. There is no temple now. So, so there's, there's going to be a temple be built. And he'll be lifted up. Oh, look, look, he's a peacemaker. Oh, look at he's the Savior. Oh, they're going to look up to him, and it's going to be another thing that will prop him up as this great world leader. But then three and a half years into the tribulation, now, he will desecrate the Jewish temple by going inside, standing inside, and, re- and declaring himself to be God and, re- and require the whole world to bow down and worship him, requiring them. This is the abomination of desolation spoken of by Jesus and we're going to see later in the book of Daniel. And this is at three and a half years which marked the middle of the tribulation. So this is another detail, the evil of the Antichrist that's going to be coming out that I believe the angels kind of let, giving Daniel a little glimpse of. So he's going to be a powerful leader, a blasphemous leader, and the third thing, an oppressive leader, an oppressive. Look at verse 25 again. It says here the Antichrist will wear out the saints of the Most High. Wear means to oppress. When the Antichrist requires the whole world to worship him, the Jews, they're not going to do it, right? And so the Antichrist will seek to kill them all. And that's what verse 21 is saying. This horn made war with the saints and prevailed all over them. The Jews were severely oppressed and, and they were allowed to be persecuted in that way. But God will not let the nation of Israel be wiped out. He's going to protect them. Now understand during this time... Uh, there's going to be a revival going on in the Jewish nations. There's going to be the 144,000. Sorry, it's not the Jehovah's Witnesses. It's going to be uh, Jews. God specifically listed the tribe so no one will be confused, but still people get confused. But, but it's specifically Jewish missionaries believing in Christ going all around and sharing Jesus Christ. I believe the two witnesses will be doing that too. God's even going to send an angel out and all that. But understand that there will be a revival of, of Jews believing in Christ and coming to be saved also at this time. So God's going to take them all and he, he's going to protect them so they're not all wiped out. So the nation doesn't get wiped out. So that in the end, they will still be there, they have a future with the Lord. Listen to what Revelation 12, 6 says. And the woman, talking about Israel, fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. 
That's the time of protection. Now, 1,260 days, back then they would count uh, a month as 30 days. So if you divide it out, that's 42 months. Israel's going to be kept safe for 42 months, which is three and a half years, which coincides with the last three and a half years of that seven-year tribulation. Antichrist will stand up in the middle of it, three and a half years, and then in the last three and a half years, God's going to protect him after he stands up and he's going to go after anyone who doesn't worship him. But um, notice then how long the Antichrist is allowed to oppress and go after and persecute God's people. Look at verse 25. It says, They shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and a half a time. What's that? Well, a time is one year. Times is two years. And, uh, um, and then a half a time is half a year. So what's the total? One plus two and half is three and a half years. Amazing, isn't that? Revelation 12, 6 matches Daniel 7, 25. That's the Lord. That's, that, that's why we can trust God's word. It all comes together because God wrote the book. So the Antichrist will only be allowed to oppress the Jews for three and a half years, the rest of those tribulation years. So the evil of the Antichrist will only last so long, you guys. This kingdom, this empire is not going to be like the others that lasted, you know, hundreds of years, you know. This is only going to be short. It's going to be very short. So, just a timeline again. The rapture of the church, Ezekiel 38, prophecy, attack on Israel, God saves them. And then the seven years tribulation when the Antichrist becomes the world, the one world ruler. The start of the tribulation years, he makes a peace deal. Make, they make the temple three and a half years into the tribulation. Antichrist stands in the temple, requires the world and the Jews to worship. The Jews flee, they hide for three and a half years. And then what happens at the end of the seven years? Jesus Christ returns. Revelation 19, he comes. Antichrist actually turns to try and fight him. Actually, all the, all the uh, armies of the world, they, they gather. The Antichrist army is going to come, and Ru Russia's army and kings of the east could be China's army. Uh, they're rebelling against Antichrist. There's this big battle in, in where? Megiddo. And the war is called what? Armageddon, right? They're going to come and fight, but then Jesus is going to return. Then they're going to all turn to try and fight Jesus and you think Jesus loses? No. The sword of his mouth, just the word of his mouth. You're done. They're done. That's when Jesus returns. So the point here is this, and this is similar to last time. I just want to put this out even more because the angel's interpreting this. God has set a term limit to the evil of the last world leader in the future. That's what it is. God has set a term limit to the evil of the last world leader leader in the future he will not allow this to go on the worst leader in the world the worst empire in the world the most evil this is satan's kingdom that's going to be thrown out into this world it's, it, it, i'm glad we're going to be in heaven because it, it's not going to be fun guys it's it's going to be wicked evil and hard well god's going to set a term limit to the evil of, the, of that last world leader and, 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 and the empire in the future. You know, I was reading, I thought it was funny to read about a $3 million car. It's called the Bugatti Chiron. It's $3 million. Oh, yeah, you know, I got that in my wallet, right? Well, you know, it can go from 0 to 60 under 2 seconds, guys. That's like, whoa. It has a top speed of 261 miles 
per hour. But they say when you buy it, you can't go that fast. They limit the speed for road use. And you know what they limit it to? 236 miles per hour. I'm thinking, what? <laughs> I was like, what? The? That doesn't make sense. They say to activate the top speed mode, you've got to insert a special, special key between the driver's seat and the door. So and I thought, what? There's a computer inside that limits, right, um, the, uh, you know, the speed. Even it watches conditions of the road, the tilt of the car, and it will even slow the car down for you if you're going too slow. I mean, if you're going too fast, depending on conditions of the world. Crazy, I thought. But that made me think how God is watching over history and the future to limit evil, you guys. He doesn't just allow Satan to do whatever. In his sovereign control and power, he's God, right? He limits. And with the Antichrist, the most evil ruler that's ever going to be walking on this earth, he puts a term limit to the evil of this last world leader in the future, the Antichrist. It's good to know, you guys, what hope we have that the evil in this world and the wickedness of Satan can't go on and on. It, it, it's not going to take over. It's not like Star Wars, you know, uh, the, the good force and the evil force. And oh, no, you know, and there's this battle, you know, going on. No, God, in a minute, he can stop it. But in his sovereign control and plan and purposes, yeah, he's going to allow it. But it will never overtake and go on forever and ever. Gonna, there's going to be an end to it. God sees the future. He's laid it out here for us. He has a sovereign plan, and he's sharing this with Daniel of what is going to happen. So we must know and believe that, you guys. Know that whatever evil, quote-unquote, is coming upon you maybe today or, or, or right now or even these fears of the coronavirus and all, know God is greater. And, and whatever his plan is, whatever purpose is, what, what, whatever it is and what he allows, we've got to trust God in that. And we've got to trust God in what we know is he loves us. What we know he cares for us. What we know he's done everything for us to send his son to die for us. That's the greatest act of love and, and, and uh, proof of love for us. So know that no, no matter what, what happens today, he will put limits and he will control things. He knows how much that we can handle, right? 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with temptation He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. That's a promise, you guys. Not just in temptation. The word temptation in the Greek can also be translated trials, testings. God knows how much we can handle and he's not going to bring us in somewhere where we're going to be totally overwhelmed and fail. No, God, he will put limits on any evil. And thank God he's more powerful than any evil the enemy throws at us. Well, let's go on here quickly and finish up. In this final world government, we see the exit of the last empire, the evil of the Antichrist, and then the end of the earthly kings. That's our third heading the end of the earthly kings we'll finish up here in the last three verses uh verse 26 but the court shall sit in judgment and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end verse 27 and the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom uh, kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the most high his kingdom shall be 
an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. We'll stop there for a moment. Okay, so verse 26 is basically what we saw last week too. The angel says, hey, the court will be convened, right? There's this official judgment put upon the Antichrist and, and, and this empire and Satan and, and even the world. Then his dominion, the Antichrist's dominion, his authority is taken away and no more will man ever rule on the earth again. This is the end, you guys. This is the final world government. His authority is destroyed, or it means it will be done away with. And then the kingdom of God will be established, given to the people of God to be part of, of you know, God's kingdom, the kingdom of God. And really it speaks of the reign and rule of Jesus Christ on the earth. And then on he will forever he will be king of this everlasting kingdom so this is talking about when jesus returns you know right before and then he returns he defeats the antichrist at the end of those seven years of tribulation and that marks really the end of earthly kings no more will man rule on the earth now it's gonna be a divine rule a theocracy now jesus the lord jesus the messiah he will be ruling and you know, I like this. In Revelation 22, verse, uh, verse 2, and verse, chapter 20, verse 2, to the first part of verse 3 says this, And he sees the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan, bound him for a thousand years, threw him into the pit, and shut it, and sealed it over him so, listen, that he might not deceive the nations any longer. I love that. No more will Satan influence earthly kings. No more because Jesus will rule from here on, from the, when he returns and sets up his rule on the earth. This is the end of history as we know it, you guys. This is what we're getting a peek at in the future. That's to come. And then look, Daniel says in verse 28, Here's the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarm me, and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart daniel was stunned basically god had just given him a, a panorama of his, the history of the world all the way to its end he was overwhelmed he was alarmed he was like whoa there, there's so much and it showed on his face he kept he kept it to himself and he just wrote it down and good thing because we have it today yeah and we can read it and study today and why was he upset well because god was still going to allow his people to go through much before the end happens. He saw the oppression at the end of the world. Listen, you guys, we know from the Bible, once the church is taken out of the rapture, the world will spin into chaos and evil like never before. Because it's all because the restrainer, right? Second Thessalonians 2, 7, will be removed, the Holy Spirit. And then Satan will be able to to do his run and do everything here. It's going to be a sad time of unrestrained evil, but God is greater and he'll put an end to the wickedness of all that. And understand when we read here, technically the word saint here, it's speaking about the Jewish believers, God's people in that sense, because we're going to be in heaven. And the last seven years, it's going to be God working with the Jewish nation again. We're going to get more into that as we, as we move along in Daniel. But that's why Daniel's like shaking like, whoa. I mean, for us, whoo, we're going to be in heaven. But he's shaking like, wow, 
look what my people still have to go through. So our last point is, in the future, the history of man will run its course to the bitter end. That's what Daniel says. But God's people will go on in glory. In the future, the history of man will run its course to the bitter end, but God's people will go on in glory. And isn't that true? That with cold, sometimes it gets worse before it gets better, right? It it seems like the cold has to, quote-unquote, run its course. Well, that's what's going to happen with evil in this world. That's what we see here. That's what we've got to accept, that it's going to run its course, but in the end, guess what? God will win. God will win. Listen, no matter what you're going through, if, if you're a child of God, you know, as a child of God, I should say, a saved believer in Jesus Christ, know this, you're going to make it. You will make it. Just know that, that right now in the midst of it, God can give us peace. God can give us strength. Just like God will do with Israel and protect them during this, this crazy time. God has a future for you, even if it doesn't look like a good future. But there is a great future in store. So be encouraged. Find peace and find confidence in, in all of this that, that you're going to make it. You know, God is bigger. As I've been worshiping with this song every day. Uh, God is bigger, right, than all our fears. God is love. God, my love, the song goes. You are bigger than all my dreams. God, my hope. God, my peace. Whatever will come my way. Uh, through each day I will say, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. And that's what we got to say. He's sovereign. He's in control. Let me close with this story about a train traveling through the night in a very huge, violent rainstorm. The lightning flashed, um, flash, uh, the lightning flashes were almost blinding. The rain hitting the windows were deafening and the strong gust of winds rocked the train from side to side. When the lightning flashed and lighted up the darkness, the passengers could see the rising water coming near the tracks. This just created terror and and fear and panic in the minds of the passengers. Several passengers, though, they noted through all the noise, the lightning and the wind, one of the passengers was at perfect peace, a little girl. The adult passengers couldn't figure out why the little girl was so calm during all this that was going on. Finally, one passenger asked her, how is it, woke her up and said, how is it that you can be so calm when all the rest of us are so worried about what might or could happen? Well, the little passenger smiled and said, my father is the engineer. Amen. Your heavenly father is the engineer. He's at the wheel. In this time of world history, even today, he's watching out for us. You don't need to worry. You can have peace. You can sleep in peace. God is greater. God is in control. Even when the worst of governments come into power. Even with what we see here, the final world government. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we thank you, God, that we can trust in you. And we can. We thank you that you are sovereign, that you are in control. And Lord, as we've learned here today, as we've even been reminded from last week that the future is in your hands, Lord. That even though it's dark to us, you see it, God. You're eternal, Lord. You're, there is no beginning or end for you. And God, you can, you can see uh, uh, into time, into the future, and you know exactly what's going on. And you can... You can move it. You can turn it. You can do things. You can prepare us for it. Lord, you're our God, and so we look to you in trust. So, God, help us today to 
remember this. Remember the truths that are here. Remember that what's coming up in the end, Lord, you already saw it. You, we're, we're reading this ancient book that already predicted it, and that means that you already know it. You saw it. You're sovereign. And so this should only make us trust in you more. And God, help us to see our future with you in it. Let not anxiety come in because we don't see you, but let anxiety be replaced with peace and security in you because we know you are there in our future. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all-